With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, everyone, to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, co-host of Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, longtime friend and colleague of mine. As well, uh, the Talking Tide podcast brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and DraftKings on them a little bit later in the program. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. Give us a follow there. You get quick links uh, to our podcast as soon as they drop. And of course, you can get Talking Tide just about anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. If you get us live on YouTube and Facebook as well. And with that, Travis. Uh, a whirlwind of football news uh, since we last cast a pod. Uh, both coordinator hires in the books for Nick Saban. I think when you and I talked last Sunday, we we when we signed off, we were talking about how well a week from when we come back next Sunday, we'll probably have at least one in the books. And uh, they managed to jam in two, Travis. <laughs> they did. A full weekend of coordinator news for the Alabama football program. First, you get Tommy Reese uh, for that Friday afternoon news dump. Uh, The 30-year-old, how about that? You know, it kind of went against the grain of some recent hires, which we've said many times before with Nick Saban. This is a hard guy to track, hard guy to connect some dots with because we've seen him go a little bit more experienced and veteran-oriented maybe on the offensive side of the ball with some recent hires, not some old guys. I mean, not that Bill O'Brien's archaic or Steve Sarkeesian was or Brian Dable or those guys, um, but they weren't major Applewhite, right? Uh, that young. Uh, but then he goes with the 30-year-old Tommy Reese this time around on offense. And then defensively, we had seen Pete Golding uh, the last time around. Even Tosh LePoy was a pretty young guy when he had his one and done. Uh, and then he goes back to the uh, familiarity of Kevin Steele, the 64-year-old. Back in Tuscaloosa, I guess maybe one more time, Chase. Yeah, it looks that way for sure. And and uh, you noted that that Saban can be a little bit coy and tricky uh, with these hires and maybe cut against the grain sometimes. Reese was on nobody's hot board. Uh, probably would have been on a couple of cold boards. And... Uh, <laughs> charcuterie charcuterie boys (laughs) that's right and uh kevin Steele, i he might have been linked a little bit here and there he certainly wasn't a prominent name by any stretch um but uh a familiar hire for sure for nick saban to me travis the offensive coordinator hire uh, for better or worse is is just flat out more consequential for this program than the dc the dc um, at the end of the day, X's and O's wise, it's saving this defense. That doesn't mean the defensive coordinator can't make a big impact. Um, but the OC can make more of an impact, frankly, I think. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to see how Reese works out. Uh, he certainly didn't light it up last year at Notre Dame, 60th in the country, which is squarely in the middle of the pack 
in total yards per game at 396. Uh, scoring offense was a little bit better than that. I think they ranked in the low 40s in that regard. Um, but he didn't have the same horses, uh, you know, that, that he'll have in, in Tuscaloosa too, talent-wise. And so, you know, you got to factor that in. And and you got to also, if you're an Alabama fan, Travis, you look at this and you think, you know, where does the offense need to go? Well, all season long, people – you know, felt like, and I don't disagree that 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 they need to be more physical up front and get and 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 get a more consistent running game, especially on those early downs, uh, than they were able to do a year ago. I pointed out in a column I wrote on Reese that Alabama was number one in the SEC in yards per carry, and yet only seventh in the league in rushing yards per game. Right, so. Um, Reese will give you that if you look at his track. If he t- if he brings his track record from Notre Dame to Alabama, uh, there's 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 going to be more of an emphasis on the run game, Travis, and and uh, probably more of an emphasis on getting the ball to the tight end as well, which could be really good news for CJ Dupray, the the tight end transfer from Maryland. Yeah, and Alabama's run game and their run numbers, as you alluded to, they're skewed by the explosive plays. And so when you look at Notre Dame's rushing offense from 2022, uh, even though the Irish ran it about 60 or 70 more times in the same number of games, yards per carry for Alabama was also uh, a yard more per carry. And Alabama had five runs of 50 yards or more in 2022. You know what I mean? Notre Dame had zero, zero Mm -hmm. runs of 50 yards or more. So that's where you can kind of, attribute the discrepancy there, the disparity in yards per carry and really rushing totals in general. And you're right. Uh, this is a Notre Dame offense that has been largely about the tight end and running back positions, probably more between the numbers than outside the numbers. Um, hasn't had that explosiveness that Alabama's had during that incredible run of wide receivers. So yeah, there's definitely some reasons for it. And I also think this too, I think Nick Saban makes hires based on his personnel right now, where his program is right now. And that makes it hard to track him sometimes because the fit maybe from a chronological perspective, as far as age, doesn't make as much sense maybe with Tommy Reese. But again, what Notre Dame has done offensively, how that translates to what Alabama may be headed more towards and personnel at the quarterback position, especially Tyler Simpson, Jalen Milrow, something else that Notre Dame likes to do. They don't run the quarterback 15 or 20 times per game. But Tyler Buckner, if you watch the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, this is a guy who carried 12 times for 82 yards. And those weren't just extended plays like we've seen with Alabama the last couple of years. So I think if you're Milrow and or Simpson, you need to anticipate being involved more in the quarterback run game. I'm not saying Nick Saban wants to go back to 2016 in Jalen Hurts' freshman season. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the return of the quarterback as at least a threat in the run game might also go a long way in benefiting this offense across the board. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, and you talked about Alabama's running game and being big on explosive plays this past year. Lest we forget, Travis, uh, was it Najee Harris's Last year, or maybe his uh, second to last year at Alabama, uh, Alabama ran the hell out of the ball, and yet Najee's long of the season might have been only 30 yards. Um, so, 
But yeah, you 12 to 15, he was killing it. Yes, I mean, he was. Yes. Four or five a game, just, you know, chunking them with that. You're right, though. There's different ways to, to, to look at that. What about the news of the Rees hire Travis for the tight end room? Because the guy likes to use a lot of 12 personnel at Notre Dame. Uh, he'll he'll run three out there for short yardage and goal line stuff. So if you're a Robbie Utes or or, or some of these other guys around the tight end room, I I got to think that group that room's pretty exciting. Yeah, there's there's certainly a place for tight ends. Michael Mayer here most recently at Notre Dame. Uh, Komet in the last few years at Notre Dame has been a good player at that position. I don't fall in line with some of this narrative that well alabama's going to 13 personnel they gonna go three tights and just grind it out i don't think that's coming i do think as you said there is translation from 12 personnel at notre dame and 12 personnel at alabama one back two tight ends i am maybe most intrigued by the potential to get even better on third down and also uh red zone touchdown percentage whereas you look at some of Notre Dame stats from 2022 that you outlined they're not gonna blow your hair back I get it total offense things like that scoring offense but when you look at their touchdown conversion rate in the red zone they were 70 percent which was better than Alabama this year by just a little bit Alabama wasn't awful despite that narrative that's been out there too Uh, but also short yardage uh, and how that relates to some third down situation so I think that's some immediate areas where where Alabama might get uh, a little bit of benefit from from more of a retro approach, which I do think we're going to see some of that. But yeah, I don't think um, you know I don't think Les Miles is going to be consulting on the offensive side of the ball with Tommy Reese as the OC. How about that DC hire, Travis Kevin Steele? Get some thoughts from you on that as well. Interesting, really down the line. People familiar with. Uh, uh, people with whom Saban is quite familiar were bandied about from Pruitt to Schumann to Grantham, et cetera. You saw Grantham moving on to the New Orleans Saints in the NFL. I don't think that was ever viable uh, as an option for Nick Saban, uh, Grantham, I mean. Uh, but turns to Kevin Steele, for, who now comes in for his third stint under Saban at Alabama. Uh, he served in a number of roles uh, for Saban as well. And uh, comes in as the DC Travis and, and, uh, you know, I really, I, I think you couldn't ask for somebody better in terms of somebody who knows what Nick Saban wants and can communicate it well, uh, to the, to the players. So, you know, from that standpoint, you're talking about virtually zero of learning curve, uh, for, for Kevin Steele, um, but you lose something in the recruiting aspect, right? I mean, Kevin Steele's not the recruiter Pete Golding is, so there's, there's other there's other parts to it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a back-to-basics hire because what my eyes told me, and I know I have people tell me about the numbers, the numbers in 2022, they were, they were fine. They weren't great, but they were okay. But what my eyes told me continuously throughout the most recently completed season is that Alabama – for what it returned and the production it brought back was shockingly poor from a fundamental perspective, game in and game out. Situations, Mm -hmm. just fundamental football, keeping your outside shoulder free, taking on 
two pullers in the counter game, things like that, setting an edge, making tackles for no game. Those were things we just did not see enough of from the Alabama defense uh, in 2022. So I do think Kevin Steele, uh, if you're talking about a guy that, that can oversee a defense, I don't know if he'll coach inside linebackers. If he does, uh, I think he can help out tremendously there, especially at a position where you're turning over like Alabama is. Maybe that's going to be Austin Armstrong that handles that position. But speaking of Austin Armstrong, as another one of these really young assistant coaches, and then you look at Coleman Hutzler and you look at Freddie Roach, still some young guys on that defensive side of the ball. Not that Traveris Robinson's a dinosaur, but you know, he's, he's, he's experienced. He's certainly older than those other three guys. Um, I think that's where he can impact things, too as kind of that mentor type, a pro. If whatever right. you think of Kevin Steele and you look at his numbers and you want to dissect the numbers year by year, which so many people these days want to do, um, he is a pro. He's a professional. And I think that will help on that side of the ball and in that room with those young assistants because you don't know. Who knows? You know, maybe this is a dynamic similar to what we saw in 2007 with Steele and Kirby Smart. We were both there for that. What, year or two later, Kirby's the defensive coordinator. Maybe that's Austin right. Armstrong in a year or two. So there are some parallels that can be drawn back to that initial stint that he had at Alabama. Yeah, there, there certainly can. And and uh, he brings a ton of experience. And, and I, I think the way he works with linebackers could help Alabama too, especially in the way of run defense. You mentioned fundamentals were an issue last year. There's no question about that. On top of fundamentals being a, a issue on a fairly regular basis, big plays were an issue too, right? So – I mean, I mean, not a and lot think of about when they happen. Some of the biggest right. plays happen late. And right. when do fundamentals typically break down? Fundamentals. When do they typically late. break down? When you're late. tired and or the stakes are at their highest, right? In close games. If you're not fundamentally sound, those are the times when they unravel. And that was the case for the Alabama defense last season. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving on, we're going to tell you about a couple of sponsors here really quickly. We're going to start uh, by telling you all about DraftKings. Uh, you cannot beat the deals going on right now coming up for uh, the Super Bowl. Travis, uh, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57 uh, and the NFL has all the action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Uh, check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day uh, between 6 to 9 Eastern time and see what prop bet will be boosted. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code TPPN. New customers, again, can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolates here. The champions of chocolate out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Again, on behalf of the chocolate lady, Heather Ryer. I know she sends out her great thanks to each and every one of you who have made Peterbrook a destination 
for your treats over the last 15 plus years and no bigger holiday when it comes to Peterbrook Chocolatier than Valentine's Day. And we're just a little more than a week away from Valentine's Day 2023. I told you, go ahead and beat that rush. Make the call to 205-752-0211. Pre-order those chocolate strawberries. That way, whether you go in the 13th or the 14th or, oops, if you're someone like my old man, maybe it's the 15th that you show up. They'll have those strawberries ready for you dipped that day. That's the big difference between Peterbrook Chocolatier and the 1-800 strawberries. The day that you pick up your strawberries, they were dipped that same day. Check them out. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. I'm sure I'll be dropping in over the yeah. next week or so ahead of Valentine's Day over to Peterbrook Chocolatier, no doubt about it. They got, they got a bell on that door, and I'm sure around Valentine's, <laughs> it doesn't stop ringing. I'm going to ring that bell. I'm going to yeah. ring that bell this week. All so. hands on deck coming up. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on, the Talking Tide podcast. Talking a little bit of basketball now, Travis, the Crimson Tide. Uh, Saturday improves to 10 and 0 in SEC play with a 79 to 69 victory on the road at LSU. Uh, strong performance overall, I thought for Alabama. Travis on a on a on a day when Brandon Miller didn't shoot the lights out right. He was three of 11 from the field, and um, you know sat a little bit too. Got got four fouls on him. Had to sit out some in the second half. Not a huge game from him. But it, it, it just goes to show what Nate Oates has kind of built around Brandon, Brandon Miller, that their best player can have a day like that, and they can cruise by 10 on the road in the in league play. Yeah, they can win in other ways. Now, the three is still a big part of who they are, and they made 13 more. So the last two games, Vanderbilt and LSU, Alabama shooting better than 44% from three. And that's not all this this team is about. Some years it's been all Alabama's basketball has been about. Not so much this team, uh, but that doesn't hurt. Alabama, for whatever reason, typically when they go down to Baton Rouge, they shoot the lights out uh, from three and uh, what made 23 down there a couple of years ago, an SEC record. I don't think Nate post game was all that happy about maybe getting out rebounded or the free throw differential. He obviously wasn't happy about the whistle throughout the game. He got teed up pretty nonsensical technical if you saw it, but um, yeah, you don't complain about road wins in the Southeastern conference. And I think Nate's also very well aware of what's coming up for this team, beginning with Florida midweek. You got Auburn twice in February. You got the road game at Tennessee. You're going on the road to Texas A&M uh, late in the regular season. So, the 10-0 start is great, but again, coaches tend to think a game or two down the road, even if they don't reveal that to their teams. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's what Nate's talking about. Like, we won by 10, but we we got another level we got to play to coming up here in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, at Auburn, at Tennessee coming up, uh, Auburn on the 11th, Tennessee on the 15th. So it's a Saturday-Wednesday turnaround with those two games. I'll be on the road with Nick Kelly uh, to both locales uh, to cover those two. Nice. So certainly looking forward to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a test of a stretch coming up for sure. Um, and I think when you look at what this team is – 
the way this team is kind of evolving, Travis, you got to say Ryland Griffin's moving into the minutes picture in a, in, a, in a more robust way right now. He's played extremely well, uh, played super, obviously, again. You know, he was Alabama's top scorer in that ugly loss to OU. Uh, mm-hmm. Comes back this road uh, this road game at LSU. Uh, he's five to seven from the floor in this one. It just does his typical thing, Travis, uh, where he'll he'll you know grab a rebound here and there, get a steal, get a dunk, shoot, make read, just kind of do a little bit of everything and and help this team. And he's a heady guy. And, and Nate Oates mentioned what a team guy he is uh, in the post game as well. Uh, Oates uh, made mention, and I and I saw the the play. Uh, where he tried to sub Griffin in for Quinterly, and and Griffin said, "Hey, JQ's hot. Let let him let him go another uh, another minute or so." And and Oates obliged, and then uh, Quinterly dish and assist right there. So yeah, uh, yeah, and the bench in general, man, continues to to take steps forward. It seems like every time out, Namari Burnett was a real spark for the team uh, on Saturday. He finishes with thirteen. Uh, on four of 10 shooting, Javon Quinterly's minutes continue to be more in the mid-20s. And you look at Jaden Bradley, and he's playing 15 minutes at LSU. So Quinterly's proving more and more difficult to keep off the floor with the way he's playing. Six assists, just four points. But, man, when you make 13 threes, it does, numbers for, it does wonders for your assist numbers. Um, 19 assists for Alabama, just nine turnovers on Saturday. It's hard to lose – when you're two plus to one uh, in assist to turnover ratio. What do you make of the way Alabama is developing the pick and roll with Betty Aka, which we saw uh, converted some early in the game? Is that is that still to you, Travis, just, uh, uh, just something they can do for a bucket here and there? Or is it something that they can exploit more as they go forward? Yeah, it's interesting to watch teams and how they've sort of played that. You know, some teams – um, don't handle it as well, and they get kind of the the lob look at the rim. Um, you know, other teams have played it pretty well. Um, it's a pick your poison type of situation. You know, if you if you if you if you don't account for the screener, then it's going to be pretty easy to Betty Ako or one of these guys rolling to the rim. Uh, if you allow the corner to get turned, then you got guys like Quinterly that can get all the way to the rim and finish. Um, I think you almost have to mush it, you know, and just kind of sag off of it and make Alabama show you that they will, A, take the mid-range jumper because they don't like the mid-range jumper and then make them hit it, you know. Um, It's easier said than done. And I think a big issue more and more in college basketball that I see is communication on the defensive end. Guys just don't talk hardly at all on defense anymore. And so – uh, if the communication isn't good, th- there's still ways that you can you can take advantage of that situation. You know, because no matter who's tossing that lob, and it seems to be Quinterly more than anybody, but no matter who's tossing that lob to Betty Iaco on, on on the pick and roll, I, I consistently notice that there's a that they they put a whole bunch of arc on that lob j- just because they yeah. know nobody can get nobody can get higher yeah, if, than if Betty Iaco. If you don't have a six ten or 6'11", they're not worried about it, right? And K.J. Williams for LSU, he's a good player, but he's not. LSU didn't have rim protectors going into this game, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, Tulu Smith of Mississippi State, a little different deal maybe with him. Uh, Colin Castleton coming up 
on uh, Wednesday night for Florida. He's 6'11", yeah. uh, and he's a guy that can can make that a lot more difficult than it's been for those type of situations. Yeah, and I'll say this for Pediaco. I, I, I think a couple of the times we've seen him unable to finish with the flush hadn't always been on him. Sometimes it's been a case where the lob has just been a little, a, a little too high even for him uh, as opposed to fumbling something that's in both his hands. But I look at it almost, Travis, like – uh, the way a quarterback throws the out route low and away, right? No one's going to catch it but my guy. I think that's kind of the logic with, with tossing that pick and roll lob super high too. Yeah, and you do all this and then the 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 penetrator kicks it to an open shooter for three. So right. you have to take that into account too. I mean, when Alabama's guards are getting into the paint and able to tee up their shooters and get in rhythm with them, it can be you, – you almost wish you were giving up the lobs at that point. Before we get out of here on Talking Tide, Travis, uh, really quickly wanted to touch on one other football topic with you. What about D'Amico Ryan's getting that head coaching job with the human, uh, Houston Texans, uh, former Alabama linebacker standout, uh, just missed being coached by Nick Saban in Alabama by two years. I think Ryan's last year at Alabama was 05. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, congratulations yeah. to him and certainly well-deserved Travis. He ran one of the absolute best defenses in the NFL for a long time. He did. Uh, it's well-deserved. Uh, you know, a year ago when the Jags, our Jags were in the market for a head coach, I was ready for D'Amico to head to Duval, but worked out okay with Dougie P, I think down there in Jacksonville. But man, just a, a, a great fit. And again, as a fan of an AFC South team, I'm thrilled for D'Amico, but I don't like seeing him in the AFC South. And especially right. if the Texans get the quarterback pick right coming up in the draft, because D'Amico with a quarterback in H-Town, that's not uh, to the that's not to the benefit, Chase, of, of no, our Jags. Of our, our, our Jags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> AFC South division champion. That's Jags. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he's – He's got a heck of a rebuild there, but uh, I'm, I'm officially thing, worried. Right? Put it that way. I'm officially. I'm more worried about the Texans than I am the Titans. Ah. Like that. that just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. I just love. I just love being. I don't know if I really believe that. I just like being able yeah. to say it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I love it. That is going to do it for this edition of the talk. <coughs> excuse me, the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us next Sunday night. Uh, by that point, we'll be recapping Alabama's uh, road game at Auburn. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Talking Tide.